going on, everyone? Welcome back to the HBC Wall Street Podcast Show. I am your host, Jamaris Payton, also the co-founder of HBCU Wall Street. My co-host, Mike English, couldn't be with us tonight, but don't worry about it. Uh, don't fret. Don't cry. We have a special guest, drum roll with Torrance Reed, my co-founder, my brother. Uh, so he'll be filling in for Mike English tonight. Tonight we have a super awesome show for you all. I know it's been a while. I know you all have been waiting, wondering what's going on. So we had a, a slight delay so we can get some fire for you all. So the big return is here. Uh, as you all know, the purpose of HBC Wall Street is to be the solution for financial literacy, um, increasing financial literacy and economic opportunities within the black community, starting with our nation's HBCUs. Um, so obviously that's why we have the podcast show to continue providing that good content, providing those resources using uh, the podcast. So tonight, as I said, we have a big show for you all. We have uh, Ms. Courtney Richardson, um, the Ivy investor. Uh, she'll, dro she'll be dropping knowledge about uh, uh, investing, just giving some, some, some easy to digest tips. So as you, when you get off of listening to this podcast, you'll be able to walk away with something tangible, get, get something done right away. Um, later on in the show, we also have uh, Everett Taylor, who's a 30, 30 under 30 um, in Forbes for uh, marketing and advertising. So um, a big guy, a big name out in the uh, Silicon Valley uh, area. So he'll be able to kind of talk about his journey as well. So um, really, uh, just before we get going, just remember to follow us at HBCU Wall Street on Instagram, on Twitter, uh, Facebook. Make sure you look us up on that, the show. Uh, it has its own Twitter and Instagram handle is HBCUWS Podcast. Make sure you please follow. Listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes. Uh, we're in the Google uh, Google Play. Uh, so you'll be able to share that. Um, you know, we don't have a marketing budget, so you guys sharing us is a, a, a very big deal. Um, also, lastly, lastly, this is the very first show that we've ever done record it so now um, you'll we'll be able to put this on youtube as well so make sure you subscribe to our youtube page uh be able to see a visual of all these beautiful faces up here tonight so without further ado i'll let my rookie co-host do the introduction to miss courtney and then we'll get rocking and rolling cool 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 all right uh definitely appreciate it uh co-founder um happy to be here i thought it was time for me to uh, get onto the screen and, and, and actually become a part of uh, my show. <laughs> um, so like you said, we're we, we happy to have Courtney with us. Um, Courtney has been a very integral part of HBC Wall Street uh, from, uh, almost from the inception of it. Uh, so happy to have her uh, with us tonight. Um, Courtney, you know, she's a former attorney. Uh, stockbroker and investment advisor with uh, over 15 years uh, in the financial services industry. Um, you know, being that uh, HBC Wall Street is unique, um, you know, Courtney, she lends well with her unique style of teaching the stock market and retirement and savings uh, uh, to our audience and hopefully to maybe some of the individuals you know. Um, she's wrote for the Huffington Post, uh, AOL, uh, my fab finances, the list goes on. Uh, you know, so, uh, uh, Courtney, everybody. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm so glad to be 
talking to you because we don't talk that much face to face. So it's always good to kind of see your face and have these conversations in person. So thank you so much for bringing me on to talk about kind of three things that you need to have or need to know as an investor, kind of like three quick tips. Um, The biggest thing about investing before you eat is to actually be ready. I mean, when you're about to run a marathon, I don't expect you to kind of just hop on like, I'm going to run 26.2 miles. No, you have to prepare. And a lot of people are like, yo, I really want to, I want to like invest. I want to invest. It's like, okay, but you have to have a firm foundation when it comes to that. Uh, to investing. So that firm foundation, before you even get to the stock market, before you even make that first investment, you need to have your emergency fund together. A lot of people feel like they can jump into the stock market and be like, yo, I'm going to flip it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Before I know it, I'm a millionaire. Oh, hold on. Wait a second. You need to have this firm foundation. You need to have the emergency fund because the stock market goes up and down on a regular basis. And because of that, you may put $1,000 in, and then the next thing you know, you have $900. Now, that's fine, but what if you needed that $1,000 because you didn't have an emergency fund? Now you're off. You've lost $100. You have to cash out your trade. And then the next day, you know, had you stayed in, you would have been up $1,100. So you would have been up to $1,100. So again, you have to be very careful about making sure that you have money accessible for emergencies, that you don't have to jump into your investments before before you're ready to do so. Um, Also, um, and I know HBCU Wall Street, you both talk about this, it's about protecting your family. And what I mean about protecting like your family, protecting your legacy, there's a couple of things that you need to have in place, which is insurance. And the insurance is for your life and also for your stuff. Um, If something happens, so a lot of people are like, oh, I'm a renter, I don't really need insurance, my landlord has insurance. Oh, well, they may or may not, but the bigger thing is, is that it's not on your stuff, it's on your landlord's building. So making sure that your stuff is protected, and even from a homeowner's perspective, if you own your home, you need to make sure your stuff is protected. And a lot of people, um, I notice that they'll say, like, I have, you know, I have a couple friends that are DJs, I have a lot of friends that have a lot of expensive computer equipment, and one of the things that you need with that is that you need to have a writer. Um, If you have any jewelry, any um, jewelry, let's see, camera equipment, computer equipment, Uh, furs, whatever, anything that's over and beyond what you would normally have in your household, you need to get a writer. And I tell people that because, again, this is about creating your foundation and you don't want to be out more money than necessary. And because, as you know, if you know anybody who's ever lost their uh, their house um, to a fire or a flood or anything, they end up really kind of, it takes them a very long time to kind of get back to zero. So it's about protecting your family, but then also um, in terms of protecting your life, making sure you have life insurance, take care of those things, those basic things before you kind of start jumping in and investing. So I talk about life insurance, wills, um, getting a will together. And I also like to talk about with investing accounts that people tend to not know or forget is that investing accounts, a lot of times they do not go through probate because they have a beneficiary designation on it. And anytime you have a beneficiary designation on the account, it's not going to go through probate, which means what's going on in the will is not going to control it. So think of it as like a separate contract. And I tell people all the time, people get burned that way. They, I mean, we talk about in divorces, they're like, how did my, so-and-so died and their ex-husband, ex-wife got paid. Oh, because you didn't change your beneficiary forms because the will's not controlling over those contracts. So again, it's about protecting your family, protecting your legacy. And then finally, talking about debt management. I don't expect you, a lot of people say, well, I should have, I should be debt-free before I start investing. You don't have that type of time. So you have to do them simultaneously. But the thing that you have to do is manage your debt. 
man have a plan for when you're going to pay it off and then you kind of increase your you add your investing kind of along with it you make your investing and your debt management and expense in your budget make sense mm-hmm. so those are the things that you kind of do to kind of create that firm foundation um i don't want you to get ahead of yourself because again like think about if you if you build a house on like sand, you know, some, the water comes by and the house, the foundation is gone and the house is gone. So again, anything that can kind of come by and kind of knock you off of your, your kind of your firm foundation, you want to make sure that you're taking care of all these things. And I know it's boring. It's not as sexy as, as what we like to think investing is. But again, the better you have your foundation set, the better off you are. Fair? Oh, perfect. So, so mm-hmm. a, a lot of the people that follow us on Instagram or, um, it range in the early, well, mid twenties, right? Um, how soon should they start trying to build this emergency fund? Like, when is when is the right time? Now, now. yesterday, yes, three days ago. <laughs> somebody that has a somebody that has a small budget. How how do they get started? How what 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 is an easy strategy to? start building that emergency fund? Well, this is a great time of year because a lot of people are getting tax refunds. Use that money. Pay yourself first. Like if you get a couple, you maybe get a, a thousand, two thousand, put it away. I know it's not fun, but there's nothing less fun than actually having an emergency and you don't have the money to cover it. Right. So, so that's kind of what I tell people. So if you, and, but if you don't get anything back or you end up owing or whatever the case may be, $20 a week will get you about a thousand dollars at the end of the year. Right. So again, you can really, and or if you want to double or $40 every pay, however you get paid, um, if you get paid bi-weekly, setting it up in terms of making that a priority, uh, making that emergency fund a priority to get, just get yourself together. And a lot of people like Courtney, and also the same thing for insurance. So the kind of the back thing right next to that, that emergency fund is your insurance. The, the younger you are, the cheaper it is. Right. Let me say that again. The younger you are, the cheaper it is. So a lot of people are like, oh, I can't really afford it. But you never know what it's actually going to be until you get your underwriting done. So and a lot. But when especially African-Americans, as we get older, we start getting um, things that will cause you to be table. Well, um, I don't want to say table rated because we don't use that. In, in, but it causes you to have problems getting insured or your rates to be higher. So blood pressure, um, high blood pressure, diabetes, being right. overweight, all of those things will cause your rates to be higher. And as we get older, the likelihood of those things happening is a lot higher. And again, as we get older, we can start having kids. You, so you want to make sure that you're kind of taking care of yourself early. As, the earlier that you take care of yourself, the better. Right. Okay. And you know what? Some people, well, it's, it's couple, I'm sorry. There was a couple of things. Uh, one that people fail to realize, or I think they just don't know about life insurance, is one that it, we it could fit within your budget. You know, so if you can say, look, right now all I can afford is this. There's something for everybody out there. The biggest thing is just getting started. Like having something to protect your insurability is what we always try to like preach. The second thing you talked a lot about uh, riders when you were talking about life insurance. Can you kind of explain what a rider is for those people that may not understand uh, when you said that earlier? Okay, so there's riders. So most insurance policies, whether it's life or property, in those cases, I was talking about a rider for property. Um, In terms of, so a rider is just kind of like an additional protection. Um, Just, it's just like, just think of it kind of as a check plus, like, okay, I had this base model, think about it as, you know, I'm adding a sunroof or something like that. So you have a car, now you have your, um, (laughs) now, you know, you have your car, now you have your sunroof. Okay, now I have my cruise control or 
case may be. But it, again, you're saying, well, I don't need cruise control. Well, you know, it's always nice to have. And then sometimes if you're dri- if you drive long distances, you probably should have cruise control. Right. So it's about the riders are, they're kind of these check pluses, but depending on your life, depending on how you're set up, um, how your family's set up, those riders may be just as important as the insurance itself. And it, and as someone said, is that it's it can be cheaper than buying, you know, Starbucks every day. Those those riders are like, I mean, in terms of overall, but those riders could be like additional 50 cents a day. But again, the value is immeasurable. Because if I had to replace even some of the, the silly stuff that I had, like my computer, if I had to replace my computer, it's not going to be covered. I'm just going to be, you know, and some of the stuff that other things I have, like I've watches, they're not going to be covered normally. And you right. want to make sure that you're protecting your investment. So again, we're, we're wondering about, oh, we have to, you know, invest. I have to get this more money, but it's about protecting what you have. And those things are investments too. Right. Right. Well, you use a way better example than me to describe riders. I was going to say, it's like having a cheeseburger and then ordering the fries on the side, like the a la carte, like tight deal. But yours just made way more sense. It was way better. And mine was like super corny. So I'm glad you said that instead of me trying to explain it. So, so, so Courtney, uh, you, you spoke earlier about debt management. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do have one question. Uh, so for, for the listeners and for our audience who uh, necessarily may feel like they're drowning in debt and they can never get over the hump to begin investing um what would be i guess one small practical nominal thing that you could say uh people can do that's cheap that leads to those small mental wins that ultimately help you get a better grasp on your debt I love the snowball method. The snowball method is like my favorite thing ever. And the snowball method, if you're not familiar, is basically taking your lowest amount of debt, like your lowest debt that you have, and you kind of pay as much as you can on that. And then you move on to your biggest debt. But those kind of like small wins, as you see those balances going down and you see kind of getting, you're getting uh, bumps. Most of the times you'll get a bump to your credit um, in terms of as you start paying these things down fast, you start getting kind of like, a, you get a serious feeling of accomplishment. And a lot of people like, well, I'm going to, they start becoming mathematicians when they come to pay off debt. They're like, oh, well, this interest rate is 26% and this other one is 10%. So I should pay the. Tw- Listen, if you were a mathematician, you probably wouldn't gotten in, in on that level. You probably wouldn't gotten in debt that you got into. So let's <laughs> let's not try to reinvent the wheel. Do you know make make the list? Say okay, my smallest debt is two thousand dollars. You know if you pay that, you pay that down. Then you get to your next bit debt, and before you know it, and I get you guys also have MJ coming along, correct? Come yes, on. next week. So, and he's awesome. He taught, I mean, he kind of has a strategy also. And again, you don't give yourself a deadline, you know, kind of give yourself goals. A lot of people kind of go with this debt management um, without a goal. Say, okay, I would like to be debt free, or I'd like to have XYZ amount of debt paid off by this time. You want your goals to be smart. You want them to be specific. You want them to be measurable. You want them to be attainable. Um, I forgot the R and the T, but I think those two are, those three are pretty good in terms of how to get started on dealing dealing with that is actually just have a goal in mind and work on it and work towards it. And one of the bigger things is have your goals written down. Um, it's great to have them in your head, but Erica Badu says, once you write it down, things get real. So write them down and look at them every single day. My goal is to pay off XYZ amount of debt in this amount of time. And then you, I mean, I started talking about 
um, how fun is. I mean, that kind of starts becoming fun. It starts becoming a game for you. And you're like, wow, I'm getting this done. And then you start kind of, well, what else can I cut off to get closer to my goal? What else can I do? And you start rolling that way and, and your fun starts to look different. And you start getting used to kind of this kind of way of life and you're like, wow, this is really happening. And I had a, the opportunity to use the snowball method in 2000 and I want to say it was like 2013, 2012. And it just kind of happened. And I, now at the time, I didn't have a whole bunch of that. I maybe had like $7,000 in credit card debt, maybe, if that. And I was just like, all right, let's get this done. And I got it done. I was like, oh, wow. But interesting enough is that when you take care of those things, other things kind of will take care of themselves. So my transmission went on the car that I had since I was a stockbroker. Went. And I mean, it's a Jetta. And they were like, well, you can get this rebuilt for $2,800 or you can get a new one for $5,000. And you have 130,000 miles on this car. So again, I had to put myself in position, well, how do I want to deal with this? Right. But if I didn't have options, if I didn't have that, that good credit and I didn't have that debt, then I could say, okay, you know, I'm kind of stuck with my options. Right. I don't really have that many options, but because I was already taking care of that and that was done, I had a lot of things that I could do. I was able to get a very, very low interest rate on a car that I actually wanted. Now, as I talk about it now, I'm just like, oh, why did I get that car? <laughs> it's too expensive. But, um, <laughs> but again, it's, it's about creating yourself options and putting your, again, doing this goal thing, setting your goals, putting and making sure that you're like making it plain and, and holding yourself to, to that, um, to your goals, you know, making yourself accountable to yourself. And then, you know what, it, it, you really don't have to be a super expert or genius when it comes to that, that snowball uh, method. So I, I actually used it. I, uh, used, I, actually, I, was, I was actually in, a, I lived in Nebraska for a while, right? So when I was out in Nebraska, there was literally nothing to do but watch Susie Orman and that type of stuff. So um, I really, I got familiar with some of her method for, and I was able to, but for two and a, I was out there for two and a half years. And within that two and a half years, I was able to pay off a car two years early. I was able to pay off a student loan. I was able to pay off a credit card. So, you know, and once you get that first win, like you said, it just becomes like addictive. Like you're like, all right, what's next? What's next? Oh, I got an extra $150 that I just freed up. And now you're able to uh, put that on that on top of the, whatever the other bill was to kind of accelerate it. But it's awesome. It's awesome feeling. It's an awesome method, man, that I, I, I definitely preach to everyone as well. So um, I was trying to see if we had any questions on live. I know anybody on live have any questions for Courtney before we wrap it up with her? I know someone did mention, you know, we had talked about life insurance early, starting off at, with a budget. Um, someone had mentioned that they had started off with as little as $5, and as uh, time progressed along, they were able to increase their uh, premium amount to about $10, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, very important stuff that she talked about today. Um, you know, if you want to just kind of recap your three uh, points really quickly before you run. Um, so real quick. So we talked about the firm foundation and we didn't actually get into any of the investment things. So just to kind of briefly touch on those okay. is that investing is a habit. A lot of people, and I had it up on my Instagram the other day, just because you have a nightmare doesn't mean you stop dreaming. And a lot of people will kind of jump into the market. They're not really sure what's going on, how it works. They get into it and they end up losing money. And they're just like, I'm done. I'm never doing the market again. And that's not really it. It's that you have to kind of, you have to go back and you have to be better. And the way that you're better is you have to research. And a lot of people get overwhelmed with research, but think of owning company or uh, owning a share of a company as kind of, you're, you're basically 
kind of involved in that company's, you should know everything about the company, everything about the company. You know, I want you to know what the CEO had for breakfast yesterday, like be so entrenched, kind of like understand the company. You know, I tell people to invest with what they know, but don't stop there. Invest in what you know to kind of start your ball. So like, okay, I love Starbucks. Great. But does Starbucks have a, the next thing is, okay, you know, Starbucks, you know what they do. They make coffee. Okay. But then do you, what does their business model look like? What is that? What's going on with their business model? Does their business model make sense? Are they profitable? Those are things that you want to look at. And the way you look at them is through their SEC documents, or you even go on their, their website and every publicly traded company has to have a section for investor relations. You can find out everything you need to know with a 10K, which is their annual report or 10Q, which is a quarterly report. You can find out a lot of information. You don't have to go deep into the numbers. You can see, okay, if something's in brackets. That means that they lost money there. And if they're showing that they're like, they have a net loss, you're like, whoa, you're not making any money. When we were looking at Snapchat last year, we said, hey, you know, people are like, oh, I'm so hyped about Snapchat. I'm so hyped about Snapchat. And I looked at Snapchat's numbers. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense, y'all. Yeah. You're investing in a company that's not profitable. And think of it this way. If your cousin rolled up on you or your friend rolled up, I was like, I really want you to invest in my company. And you're like, okay, what is your company? What are you going to ask them? What does your company do? How much money are you making? And if they tell you, oh, we're running at a deficit of, you know, I don't know, $1,000 a month, are you going to invest in their company? Right. Of course not. Same thing with stock. And we're the African-Americans are the biggest consumers. And we need to move that consumerism into actually being owners. And it's not a far jump. It's really not because people look to us, people look to our community to see what's on, see what's popping. Who made Nike popping? Like, honestly. Jordan. Jordan. <laughs> so again, so these are the things like Jordan's made Nike pop. And if you, if you actually would have invested in Nike stock when Jordan paid his last game in 2003, when he was with the Wizards, he dropped in Jordan 18s. If you would have put the same amount, I think Jordan 18s were like 175. If you would have put 175 in Nike stock about last year, it would have been worth about $1,200. So again, you know, it's about, but again, we already, we put Jordan on a long time ago, but we need, we are the trendsetters. So allow us to be trendsetters, but then also put that money in our pocket. We are so good at making other people rich, make, make ourselves rich, invest in ourselves, invest in being wealthy in that regard. And I think that's where we can really make a difference. So have a firm foundation, research, 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 be nosy. I tell people an, a nosy investor is a good investor. Yeah, yeah. You just kind of Google is your friend. I tell people Google everything. Just Google because Google will tell all your business, all of your business as a company. And that's a good thing because you can read articles. You can read commentary. It's a really good tool for investors. And I use it even as an investor now. And then also it's a habit. You know, every, I want you to invest and save. Invest, you know, you have savings less than five years. And if you're investing over five years in terms of your time horizon or your time frame, if you're saying, hey, I need my emergency fund, you're not investing in your emergency fund. You're not investing these short-term things that you may need access to. People are like, you're looking to buy a house. You're not going to invest your down payment. Make sense? You're going to save the down payment. But retirement, college savings, that's where you're going to look to invest. Anything longer than five years. But you're going to keep how it, you keep having that um, investment over time. And you keep doing it on a regular basis. Investing like um, excellence is a habit. So those are my three points. Hey, man. As always, it is definitely a pleasure to have you on the anything that we're doing, whether it's in the, the group where you're dropping this knowledge, uh, the webinars that you've done with us, taking over our IG live. Like, 
you're always putting out necessary content, you know, um, and in a, a relatable, understanding way for everybody. So we truly appreciate it, as always. Where can people find you, though? I'm on Instagram, The Ivy Investor, on um, just my blog, www.theivyinvestor.com, and on Facebook, The Ivy Investor. All right. Well, if the, Torrance, you have anything before we wrap it up with her? Uh, no, I don't. Like, like uh, just echoing Jamaris' sentiments. Uh, thank you for always sharing your knowledge with our audience. They need it. All right. All right, Courtney, thank you so much. Make sure to visit hbcuwallstreet.com to download our app and learn more about our resources on financial literacy, investing in stocks and real estate, and starting and owning businesses. All right, Courtney Richardson, the Ivy Investor, um, our investing guru. Uh, again, she very, 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 very educated, well-versed, a lot of great knowledge in that space. So make sure you follow her on IG, Ivy Investor. Uh, she's in our Wall Street group. She's in our, the Ivy Investor, I'm sorry. She's in our Wall Street community. So make sure you join that. You get a lot of free knowledge there. Um, again, just before, before we move along to our next guest, um, just a reminder, the purpose of HBC Wall Street is to be the solution for increasing economic opportunities as well as financial literacy in the black community, starting with our nation's HBCUs. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at HBCU Wall Street. Uh, same thing on Twitter, Facebook, you can uh, follow us at uh, uh, HBCU Wall Street. Uh, the podcast show, make sure you uh, go to SoundCloud, we're on iTunes, um, and then our group me, please we're make- Everywhere you need to be. Everywhere that you need to be, we're cap we're capturing all markets, all audiences. We're there. That commercial. That's uh Visa. That's the Visa commercial, right? Yeah, we we give them Visa some free uh, product placement promo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Everyone might have some uh something to say about that, giving away some free <laughs> So, uh, without further ado, again, I'm Jamaris Payton. Uh, Michael English couldn't be here with us tonight, so we have my rookie co-host, my co-founder, my brother. Uh, Torrance Reed tonight, who will be stepping in today. Um, again, we'll let the rookie introduce our next guest, and we'll get rocking and rolling. Dang, okay, so you know after tonight, I'm not a rookie anymore, right? Right, right. Okay, cool. All right. Um, you know, so as, as Jamara said, I'm going to go ahead and introduce our next guest. Um, uh, is this where I say the man, the myth, the legend? Or yeah, that part. appropriate for, for, for this one. Um, so we're, uh, can I also, is this why I say we're in studio? Yeah. We're not, all right, all right, we gotta make it real, uh, gotta give the podcast feel. So we're live in studio slash my basement uh, uh, with Mr. Everett Taylor, um, founder of Pop Social, uh, founder of Mill Millicent, I think I'm saying it properly. Uh, Chief Marketing Officer of Skirt, um, and, and so many other companies I can't even name them. I, I, I'll let him tell you all the things he's affiliated with. Uh, recently named um, uh, Forbes 30 Under 30, uh, serial entrepreneur, as you guys can tell. Uh, you know, I, I, I'll let him tell you of the greatness that that is uh, uh, Everett uh, himself. So uh, uh, glad to have you here, man. Um, you know, appreciate you agreeing to sit down 
uh, virtually with us, um, you know, and discuss some of the things you got going on. So, uh, welcome. Thank you, man. I'm really, really glad to be here. It's been a long time coming, man. I'm so busy. Um, wires got crossed. So I'm glad to finally be able to get on the show. Nice. Yeah, glad to have you, man. Like you said, man, we've been looking forward to this interview for a long time, man. Uh, because of you, man, we did something a little different. This is the first time we're actually recording it on Zoom. So, you know, we're doing it a, a big style this time. For, so we really appreciate you, man. Um, so I guess uh, just getting started, just, you know, Torrance named off rather a lot of your background. Uh, just let, let's start at the very beginning. Um, how did you get to where you are today? Kind of tell us a little bit about your background, where you're from. Uh, you know, I don't want to steal your thunder. There's a lot of uh, articles out there, a lot of research out there that kind of talk about um, your humble beginnings to where you are now. So I kind of let you tell that story and then we kind of go from there, man. Uh, yeah, man, I'll try to uh, tell the story as quickly as possible, man. I tell anybody that knows me, knows that I'm naturally an introvert and I, and I don't really like talking about myself, man. And, right. and typically, you know, I've learned that people that talk the loudest usually accomplish the, le the least, you know? Um, and so it's always difficult for me to talk about myself, but um, I'm originally from uh, Richmond, Virginia, Southside, um, you know, grew up in the project, Southside, Richmond, um, you know, I mean, you know, the cliche, man, you know, single mother, yeah. my sister, you know what I mean? Um, you know, the way I grew up, it didn't feel abnormal because that was all I knew around me, you know? Um, not very diverse. It was literally black and Mexican where I was from. Yeah. Um, and, you know, growing up, you know, the only really entrepreneurs and people that I really saw, you know, doing it was, was you know, you know, people trapping or, or selling drugs or in gangs and things like that. So, you know, a lot of people ask me, you know, what was like the first inspiration for me? It was like seeing those guys, like, yeah. like from an operational perspective, man, like, yo, they was running better than certain Fortune 100 companies, you know what I mean? It was so precise in the things that they did. And then also in terms of the lifestyle, man, you know, you know, I didn't see a lot of that. You know, most of the people around me didn't have that. You know, back in VA, it was it wasn't about having new cars. You had to have the old school, man, on them twenties. You know, that that's what that's what that's what it was all about. So, you know, those are the people I look you know kind of looked up to. But, um, you know, I even started dabbling in the streets. You know, trying to support my mom. You know, when I was a young teenager, and she she started seeing that money come in, and she knew it could only come from one place. Right. And, uh, you know, she, she got me off the streets before, you know, it was too late. And I ended up like, like a lot of my friends and, and family and, and, and men in my family. I didn't have a lot of men around because, you know, people were locked up, dead, um, you know, always these different um, unfortunate circumstances. So, you know, my mom, you know, a lot of your listeners are probably hella, hella young. Um, but, you know, she found a marketing job in the in classified ads in the newspaper. And uh, she told me, you're going to get your ass to this interview and get off the street. I went there, I was 14 years old, man. I went in there, didn't know a damn thing about marketing. And, you know, I think God, I don't know if you guys, you know, believe in God or whatever, but I think, you know, whatever your beliefs are, I think, you know, all of us are innately um, gifted some type of talent, you know, in life. You know, and you just hope that your talent is 
something dope. Like it's not like knitting or some shit like that. You hope it's, you know, playing ball, you know, music. Um, you know, you don't want to be like the world-class knitter, but uh, uh, mine's was marketing, man, and understanding people and having that emotional intelligence. So I went in that interview, believe it or not, no marketing experience and killed it because, you know, I just understood, you know, the, the basic philosophies around and it really got me off the streets and got me going. And um, I worked as a marketing associate for a few years. And unfortunately, I ended up losing my job. And I actually, you know, I supported my family and, you know, ended up homeless, you know. Um, and that was a really, really rough time for me. And um, But it taught me a lot about people, man. When you see people at their lowest, man, like that, that shows you real human behavior, real human emotion. Like, you know, when people are hungry, when people are struggling, like you see the basic instincts and like what really makes people you know what I mean um being in that, in those predicaments so that was super valuable for me but also during that time when I was homeless you know I'm from VA so um you know it snows it gets cold you know and so I used to go to the local library um to kind of get shelter and I used to use the, the computer and the internet there and I didn't really have access to the internet and the computer and you know until then and um I discovered Mark Zuckerberg who's, you know, his ass is on fire with Congress right now. But at the time, he was the golden boy um, over at, uh, at Facebook. And, you know, he was only, you know, a few years older than me, you know, like five, five, six years max older than me. And I was like, yo, this young 20-year-old goofy-looking kid is, you know, about to make billions. And, you know, that was a certain – that was a hustle that I didn't even know about, you know, because where I was from, if you didn't hoop or you didn't rap, you know, or, you know, you won't slanging, like, you didn't really think of anything that could really make you some bread. You was going to take your ass over to Walmart and work for, you know, eight bucks an hour. So it was, it was, it was, uh, it was nice to see that, man. It was nice to see like another avenue for me. And that really, really inspired me and it inspired me to when I, you know, even when I was homeless, I was, I was able to, um, uh, applied to one college and I applied to Virginia Tech not only because that was one of the few colleges that you know the application process hadn't hadn't come up yet I mean deadline had come up but I really wanted to get into tech man so applied to Virginia Tech um also Mike Vick was man back then um and uh <laughs> yeah man so I applied got in man went there for a year ended up having to drop out you know after a year to to help support the family and you know, I actually put this up on my Instagram today, like these emails that I was writing when I was 19, like, yo, please don't, like I had gotten desperate to that point because no one was answering my emails. No one was responding to me. No one was giving me a chance. I was trying to break into tech, you know, just to work, like not even start a company, just to, the, to understand it and take care of my family. Nobody was giving me a shot or opportunity. And I said, man, you know, I got to just figure this out on my own. So you know, I started my first company, you know, I started my first company in event marketing space. We built ticketing software similar to Eventbrite. You know, we're able to sell that a couple years later. So sold that company. I'm 21. Um, you know, I go back to try to finish college. I, I'm driving a Porsche, you know what I mean? I'm like, you know, living, living a lot better now. And, you know, I go to school and I'm like, man, I'm listening to these professors. And I realize that a lot of people are on this path to mediocrity. And, and the one thing you have to remember and I'm sorry I'm going so long but the one thing you have to remember while you're in college is like okay college is great you should get your degree man I, I tell people all the time like you don't have to drop out and, and, and do xyz 
But while you're there, recognize the mediocre paths that certain people go on. You know what I mean? And, and, and like, if you notice at every single school, every single HBCU or university, you'll see that most people, depending on where the school is, most people either stay in that area or they go back to their hometowns, right? Or it might be a city nearby, like say like a DC or Atlanta or whatever that they all go to, you know what I mean? And, and, and congregate to, and you realize, man, you're around the same people that you were in college, man, you don't get that same growth. You don't get that, those same new experiences. And, and I tell people, man, you can't go down those paths that, you know, most have traveled. You have to like swerve, you know? And so, you know, I'm in school, I pledged alpha, you know, did all that, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, had a good time, was president of my chapter, president of the NPAC, you know, step shows, all that, Dean brought lines through, all that. So. You know, but I, I realized, man, really, I was only in school now just for the fun, for Alpha, man. Like, I, I in the classroom, it bored me. So, man, I was a few classes away from graduating, and I said, man, F it, man. I went, and I took an opportunity to be uh, head of marketing, um, VP of marketing for a startup, you know, uh, out in California, man. They could, they could barely pay me, man. But I saw the potential in the startup, and then the founder of that startup, we started another company, um, called growth hackers that's now worth $30 million. You know what I mean? And so I took that, I took that leap of faith to be like, look, man, I really want to get back into startups, want to, you know, start my own companies. And since then, you know, I've led, um, that company that I led marketing for got acquired. Um, you know, I've been a CMO for two other companies, one of which that got acquired the other one that did, you know, millions and millions and millions in revenue. Um, you know, I've started, three other companies since then, a marketing firm, which I'm CEO of now, as well as a software company called Pop Social, which I'm also CEO of now, which is a social media software company to help people grow their brands on social media, like Instagram and stuff like that. And uh, then the fourth company, the fourth company, oh, the, 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 the second company was Growth Hackers, which is worth 30. Um, the third company was the marketing firm Millicent, and the fourth company was Pop Social. And since then, um, you know, I've, I've been CMO of Skirt, which got a, just recently acquired by Fair.com. Um, I just launched uh, B-Say, which is a media site to highlight underrepresented people like ourselves, starting first with the Latinx community. Um, all those Latinx people that are at HBCUs right now, shout out to them. Um, and, uh, you know, highlighting their stories. And I launched that with Zoe Saldana, actually. And, uh, um, and then lastly, um, launched an app called Haver, which is a app to prevent drug and alcohol addiction and also rewards staying sober through cryptocurrency. Um, so we're in the game with that as well. So I've just had my, my hand in the mix with a lot of different things. Um, you know, uh, there's, there's other projects I'm working on now, I'm not trying to bore your, your uh, user and, but, uh, uh, your listeners, but yeah, man, it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a great ride of like, you know, doing you know the entrepreneurial thing but also serving as a marketing executive which just opened the door for me to you know be able to do things like i'm a national brand ambassador for nasa or speak all over the world or build you know a big audience on social media and stuff like that and get like brand deals with like toyota i just got a call about intel today you know what i mean like yo i'm trying to grab all the bags so you know <laughs> It's, it's opened the door for me to do a lot of different things and have recognition in, in, in other places. And, and I just want people to know, man, like, yo, the first college I wanted to go to was Virginia State, bro. That was the first 
you know, that was the first, you know, school I went to. And I went there and I was like, yo, it's people like me, you right, know, right. <laughs> rock with this you know what I mean and you know I could have very easily been at an HBCU I, I think I would have thrived at an HBCU but I think you know the, the 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 different experiences that I had not going to an HBCU also helped me as well you know what yeah. I mean both paths can can be definitely um be definitely great but I just want people to know like man I'm one of y'all bro like I'm not no sellout you know <laughs> I, ain't, I ain't none of that man I you know you can have a real conversation with me. I dress like you, I talk like you, I'm from the hood like you, you know what I mean? We have a lot of the same experiences. Like, you know, I want people to know that you can do the things that I'm doing, but you ain't gotta, you know, wear a suit and tie or or assimilate to how they want you to to talk and dress and, and, and be like, you know what I mean? I think that's really important. So, so, uh, you know, thank you for, 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 for your story. You know, it's it's definitely uh, very inspirational. You know, to hear where you uh, came from and are at now. Um, so, so two questions came to mind while while you were speaking, and you can pick the order in which you answer them. Uh, the first one would be, uh, um, what would you say to yourself ten years ago? Um, uh, in the position you were in two years ago, you know, with the struggles and, and, and no one trying to help you break into tech, uh, you know, and the things of that nature. And my second question is, uh, you know, you've been on Forbes. Uh, I'm sure you've probably been in TechCrunch and Gizmodo and every other uh, tech publication out there. And also the, uh, the publications that highlight entrepreneurs. Um, What's been your most memorable feature, story, or article, and why? Okay, so to answer your first question, um, 10 years ago, I was in, towards the end of my, this was towards the end of my freshman year. Towards the end of my freshman year, and um, to be honest, man, like, I wasn't focused. And I wasn't, I wasn't focused. I was partying, worrying about girls, you know what I mean, thinking about Pleasant Alpha, you know what I mean? My first semester in college, I got a 2-0 GPA. That's what you need to, to pledge alpha, a 2.5. I got a 3-3-2, which got me to a 2-6. <laughs> it got me to a 2-6. That's good enough. Um, but uh, yeah, man, I wasn't back then. If you're saying directly 10 years ago at this time, you know what I mean? I would just, I would tell myself, to focus and see the bigger picture, man. I said something today actually on Instagram about having foresight and the great ones, the great ones have foresight, man. The great ones are able to take a step back from what they're doing and how they're living their life right now and be able to look at the landscape and say, oh shit, man, like I gotta, I gotta do something. I gotta make things happen. Think about the people who, you know, for instance, some of the social media influencers that we have now, right? Um, and I don't like to put myself in that bucket either, but like realizing, oh, Instagram, shit, I need to build my audience on this thing. This is going to pop, right? The, right? the early adopters, the people that are able to like, you know, get ahead. I remember watching, I don't know if you guys heard of Gary Vaynerchuk, but I remember watching this video he was doing in 2012 where he was like, and this was Snapchat was hella young. He was like, yo, if you're not on Snapchat right now, you need to get on there ASAP. You know what I mean? He understood and like, there's only certain people that are able to take, to say stop, 
because it's so easy to just live your life and like just be in this 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 you know live day to day to live day to day to do the same shit every day and not to take a take a break and be like man like if I keep doing these things this is where I'm gonna end up you know and be able it's to nine o'clock um to be able to look at life you know holistically and so that's what I would have told him then but if you fast forward a little bit to when you know I was getting denied and things like that man like I was never discouraged bro like I knew. I knew that I was meant for something bigger, you know? And and I just use that as motivation. A lot of people get hella sensitive, man. Like, no, nah, man, like people don't owe you shit. You know, you gotta, you gotta make, you gotta make things happen. And so the one thing I would have told my myself when I was thinking about starting a company is self-care, man. Like taking care of yourself. You know, a lot of people, they talk about the entrepreneurial grind and they're they're thinking like, yo, yo, I gotta grind, I gotta lose sleep, I can't, you know. I can't spend time with my girl. I got to, you know what I'm saying? Like, yo, man, relationships, your family, man. I can't tell you how bad, like I gained like, I gained close to 30 pounds. I just lost close to 30 pounds, man. You know what I mean? Like, you know, not taking my care of myself, not eating right, um, you know, uh, hurting women that, that I cared about, not spending enough time with family, you know what I mean? Like, so people, you know, they congratulate me on the Forbes and all that right now, but like, they don't realize, man, it was a lot of people that got damaged in the process, man, including myself. You know what I mean? And so just just self-care and 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 being more um present um in life outside of outside of your career is what I would have told myself. And then in terms of you know what article you would say meant the most to me. Right, right. Like what which one resonated the most with you? Which one hit home? Which one had, gave you that Okay, I did it. Moment. So, I don't. I don't even want to say I've had anything that was like I did it. You may not be there yet. You the, know? Article, the article that means the most to me. That means the most. That's the only one I can think of that means the most to me. That was like the most special to me, is an article that probably only got like two hundred views or something like that. You know what I mean? This kid. Heard about me, like I was just, this was in 2015. You know, in 2015, I didn't had sold a company of mine. I had sold another company that I was head of marketing for. I had founded three companies. I had done a, a ton of stuff, but no one had really been, you know, checking for me, you know? This kid from, uh, from Virginia Tech, where I went to school, had heard about me, you know what I mean? And, and he started doing some research and he was like, man, I couldn't find anything online about you. You know, he was like, yo, like I really want to, write about you and interview you and tell your story. And uh, this kid, random kid, it's an Indian kid too, it wasn't even a black dude, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, he wrote this story and, and it was the most important article because it was the first time I told, talked about being homeless. It was the first time I talked about dropping out of college and, and, and some of the things that I've done in my career that I never really, you know, told, talked about, like the accomplishments I never talked about. And so at that time, you know, I had a, a small, decent audience because I had, uh, you know, was respected within the marketing and tech space. And then when I, when I shared that article, you know, other people were like, oh shit, like I didn't even know that about you, you know? And then that started to get picked up by other people, like other writers from smaller publications and those smaller publications turned into bigger publications, right? But it, it took that one guy to say like, man, he's dope. I want to write about him. And all I got is this small little blog that maybe like, you know, a hundred 
200 people is going to look at, but that was the opportunity that I needed. And that's why I tell people all the time, yo, don't worry about getting Forbes right now, or Fortune or, or Black Enterprise or whatever it is. Focus on like the small things. If some small little blog wants to write about you, go, go ahead, go for it. You know what I mean? You never know what's going to happen. That's dope. That's dope. So uh, you mentioned earlier about the importance of foresight and all that, right? How did you have... How did you have the foresight to know to start? You mentioned the multiple companies that you started or you the startups that you engaged in. How did you know or how, what was it about these companies or these ideas that made you say, all right, I'm going to run with it or I'm going I'm I'm to take the risk to with, run with this, uh, this startup? Well, talk, talk about that foresight. Uh, yeah, so for the first company, the first company, I was 19 years old, fresh 19 years old. And... Um, I don't know where you guys are from, but back in Southside Richmond, you used to have these teen parties, right? So if you was under 18, you know what I mean? If you was a teenager and you wanted to turn up, you go to these little teen parties. They ended at like, you know, 10, 11 or something like that, 12 maybe. Right. Um, you went there, you caught some twerk before white people knew what twerk was, you know? <laughs> and and uh, it was dope. It was fun. The problem was is that you then you turned 18, right? You turned 18. And uh, it was like, man, the, the the dope clubs and bars and stuff, you had to be 21. So, 21. You know, 21. so I looked at a lot of these towns, and I was and like, I was going like, to, I'm sorry if I got an echo. But I was and realized that, that, can y'all hear that? No, not the echo. Oh, you can't hear the echo? No, I don't hear it no more. Um, I realized that, you know, going to these smaller towns and cities that people didn't have anything to do, you know, if they wasn't 21, you know? And if they did, it was very unsafe places like these house parties where, you know, people would shoot it up and, 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 and gangs and all that. So I wanted to create just dope events for people between the ages of 18 and 20 that couldn't get into the clubs and the bars and stuff like that. So it was the foresight of seeing that, like, you know, where most people was just like, man, we just going to kick it at the crib. You know, we going, you know, just chill, hit the mall up, hit a movie, you know, wait, man, like we could, we could still make something pop. You know, it might not have alcohol there, but we can, we can make some, make something go. And so that was like really the foresight of seeing like, there was a, there was a space in the market where everybody else was just kind of like, all right, I guess we just going to chill, man. You know, hit up, with, hit up with shorty, whatever, you know? Um, and I was like, man, like I took a step back and I was like, man, like there's so much opportunity here. And then the other part of it was realizing that the digital age was coming. People weren't carrying cash like they used to and everything. So to be able to create a platform where, you know, we could, uh, you know, take payments online or take credit card payments at the door. We have a laptop set up there on Wi-Fi at the door, you know what I mean? Be able to take credit card payments and stuff like that. And that technology that we built was, was what actually got acquired, you know what I mean? But, you know, having that foresight, the second company was Growth Hackers. And Growth Hackers, the foresight for that was we were building one company, right? Which I didn't own, I had part ownership and I was head of marketing for, but we we're like, yo, who uses our product? Marketers, right? And so at the end of the day, if you create an audience, you can siphon those people to that product, right? And so we knew that we wanted to create another product, but 
we're like, while we're working on this first one, let's just build community, man. And that's why I tell people all the time, man, like, you know, people for, for the last company I'm gonna talk about is Pop Social, which helps you grow your followers and your audience on social media. I have people all the time like, man, I don't think I should use it because I'm not doing anything right now. And I'm like, what? Like, why wouldn't you grow your audience? You know what I mean? Like, even if you're not doing anything right now, go ahead and, and, and grow that and, and build that. And so we had the, you know, the foresight to see that, you know, how valuable building online audiences it is was. And then when we released the software, wow. boom, we had 2 million people, users on this site that we could siphon that software to. Uh, the third company was Millicent's. It was a marketing firm. And the reason, the, 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 the foresight I had there was, I realized that I was like doing consulting, right? On the side, you know, I was starting to build up my name in, in marketing and I realized, yo, I'm breaking my back to, to consult and do these things. If I'm able to teach others these marketing skills, I could take a step back and scale my talent, right? If you can right. teach others, you can scale that talent and turn that into a million dollar business, right? And so that's what, what it really came to is like, you know, a lot of people I know, like young black professionals that are, are busting their ass to like consult for three, four gigs. And it's like, man, you doing all that and one gig's paying you 500 a month and another's 1500 a month and things like that. When there's contracts out there where you can get 20, 30, 40, 50 K a month, you know what I mean? But you have to have the talent and the people there to support you to do that. And so I just had, I was like, why am I killing myself? I took a step back and was like, let me look at this. There's not a lot of people that can do what I do. If I can teach these skills, these transferable skills, I can really scale this thing. And the last one was, was Pop Social, uh, which was formerly called Growth Pub. And I realized there was an, I, I was thinking about it, that my Twitter audience was growing really well, but Instagram is hard, man. Like Instagram was really, really hard to grow. And I noticed that a lot of people struggle with growing their Instagram accounts. But the problem is a lot of people don't have money, especially black and brown people, right? Um, that are trying to make it, trying to get their brands and their projects off the ground. And so I said, you know, most people can't afford to go to a marketing firm and spend thousands of dollars, you know what I mean? Um, to help grow their account. Or most people can't spend hundreds and thousands of dollars on Instagram ads to, to grow their account. So I said, let me create something that's affordable. $50 a month that anybody, if they, you know, you just don't eat McDonald's a few times and don't go out to the bar one night and you got that, you know what I mean? And you can, you can afford that and help you grow your brand. And I did that because I knew there was so many people. I saw how Instagram was growing, 500 million users, 600 million users. If I just got a small percentage of that, you see where it goes. We only, you know, we're, we're at a point where we only have, you know, over 7,000 users, but those 7,000 people are worth $5 million a year. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And so it's just continue to grow, continue to grow, continue to grow. We're on path to be an eight figure business, you know, over 10 million in revenue and, and highly profitable. So it's, it's, I just saw that, you know, I saw that opportunity and I went after it. That's dope. You know, you know, you talked about the importance of community building. Um, and that's one of the things that we figured out with this company, right? So in the past, Torrance and I have built other companies. Um, we had this one company called Gratuity. And basically, it just took you from idea state. Like if you had a business idea, it'll take you from the idea stage all the way up to the point where you had a full-fledged business plan, you're able to get some funding and all that good stuff. So it was one of those field of dreams type deal, right? Where you build it and they will come. That was our, our thought process behind it. 
and we suddenly realized that we had what we thought was a dope product, but we didn't have anybody to use it or anybody to sell it to. So to your point, you know, we, this time when we built uh, HBCU Wall Street, we stepped back and said, what, what, was, what was the missing component of, of making that other company successful? And like you said, the audience, the community, like that is so important in building a business today. Like, I'm glad you touched on that. You know, you're the expert. So now when we say it, they heard that you said it and we say it, they know that maybe we kind of experts too in that space. But um, it's funny too, because we actually got on IG a little late. You know, we got on it about two, two and a half years ago, but we've been at folks, somehow we were able to really grow. We just hit 40,000 people today. So that's a big win for us. But, you know, just understanding the importance, like you said, like jumping on Instagram, because at the time that, you know, it was popping. That's where you needed to be. And we noticed that's where our audience was. We met our, our customers, customers where they were hanging out, so to speak. So, yeah, so you touched on some some uh, interesting points there that kind of relates. Uh, one more question for me, and then I know Torrance maybe have some more, but you talked, uh, you mentioned earlier about emotional intelligence, and I, I'm big on that. Like, kind of talk about that, uh, the importance of that in business and how it's been important to you um, throughout your career and everything as well. Yeah, for sure, man. It's, it's, Here's the thing, man. We're living in a world where robots and automation and things like that are going to be able to do the things that a lot of us are doing right now, right? And it's going to be the intangible things that we can do, like having, uh, like having uh, emotional intelligence that's going to really separate you. And even currently, you know, when you really look at, you know, some of the people that have been the most successful as executives and entrepreneurs, is because they understood that uh, there's another layer that goes on top of just being able to work hard or to be able to look at data. Like that data and those numbers, man, those are actual people behind those numbers. And so for me to be able to use emotional intelligence and really understand what motivates people, how things will make people feel, you know what I mean? Like even things that I know might offend people a little bit, but it's gonna drive the bottom line, I already know that it's gonna do that. You know right. what I mean? Already two, three steps ahead. You know what I mean? We we did something, <laughs> uh, we did something kind of petty, but um, the guy Tyrone Hankerson uh, that was at Howard and stole all that money, mm-hmm. or uh, allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly stole that money. You know, he was actually a customer of Pop Social, right? And uh, he he tried to finesse us too, man. He tried to finesse us for a discount, man. And you know, we we're I was just joking about the whole ordeal on 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 Twitter, you know what I mean? But I knew people were talking about it, so people were getting like, oh, like I had so many eyes on it. And so just for a quick, and I knew I was going to delete the tweets, and I knew I was going to make a few people mad talking about it and doing this. I released the code for Ty, that said Tyrone that gave people half half off for a month. People. <laughs> Ate that up, young. You know, using Tyrone, cold Tyrone, cold Tyrone. You know what I'm saying? It was funny. People were laughing. There, people were like, "You were serious?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm serious. Go use it right now because we're gonna turn it off soon." You know what I mean? And so, what you know, what people don't realize is that I think I had, you know, about, you know, a hundred and ten people use that code or something like that. You know what I mean? A hundred ten people use that code and. And you know what what people don't realize is that one hundred ten people use that code, and that was like five thousand dollars well ninety five six thousand dollars in revenue for us at that very moment, just for tweeting for like twenty twenty five minutes that's six thousand 
you know, over a year's time is worth 720,000 in revenue. Uh, wow. You know what I'm saying? No, I'm doing, I'm doing my numbers wrong. That's not worth seven, 720,000. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, but that's worth, you know, uh, what is it like, you know, 12 times 6,000, whatever that is, you know, whatever that number is, 72, 72,000. That was worth 72,000 in yearly revenue. You know what I mean? By just, you know, effing around and tweeting about Tyrone, you know what I'm saying? And those worth more than that because those people are going to share that service to other people. So it might be worth 100,000, you know what I mean? So it's, it's those like little marketing hacks and, and, and understanding like, oh, this is, going, this, this is something that people are like engaged with and they're going to like laugh at and this is going to turn them into customers, you know what I mean? And, and it was dope. Right. So that's, that's perfect. That actually kind of segues into, um, I, I guess what we could use as our, uh, you know, wrap up. Um, so kind of a two part question. Uh, first part is what was your financial acumen or literacy at the time you said, I'm going to dive into becoming an entrepreneur. Um, and then, uh, what would be the importance? What, how much importance would you place on having a solid financial foundation uh, in being an entrepreneur? Because me and Jamaris say, if you don't have a solid financial foundation, you're not an entrepreneur. You just have a hobby. Yeah, or you're going to get in trouble with the government. <laughs> right, right, right. Man, bro, I grew up like a lot of us where it was like, you know, I wasn't taught how to do taxes. I wasn't taught you know, where to go to, to find the type of person to help you with your taxes. I wasn't taught, you know, about credit. I wasn't, I didn't know anything. You know, my mom told me, stay away. Don't get a credit card. <laughs> like, <laughs> get credit, you know what I mean? I didn't understand. There were so many little things and intricacies that I did not understand about finances and, and, and things like that. I just didn't understand, man, you know? And it was really important for me to, to, to go through those hardships, man, but not everyone has to do that. There's too much information available online. There's too many resources to do that, man. But it's, man, it's integral, man, like to really understand how finances work, how credit works, how taxes work. Um, doing your books right, man. You know what I mean? Like the IRS will get you, you know what I mean? Like, so it's, it's, understand all that i remember you know from my first company we wasn't taking any money out for taxes and tax time came around and the government was like you owe this i was like wait what you know what i mean what <laughs> what i i was used to people getting money back i'm my silly ass thought i was still getting money back <laughs> and i didn't pay no taxes <laughs> I was like, yo, everybody was like, man, when I get my tax check, I was like, man, when I get my tax tax check, I'm about to, I'm about to tear it up. I'm about to do this, do that. Like, how you gonna get tax tax return with no without paying no taxes, man? <laughs> so I didn't really understand it, man. I, I was 19, man, and, and I didn't really understand how you know everything went. So that was really, really important. Right, right. And I think that's one of the reasons we exist, you know. Uh you know, there, like, like Jamara said, we, we started with the community. We let the community kind of define amongst the realm of each other what they needed, and we just then set out to provide them with it. And and um, uh, as as uh, elementary as it is, 
It's just most people don't know. It's not that they can't act properly and accordingly. They don't know to act. So uh, I'm glad you touched on that. Was there a uh, second part to that question? I can't remember. Was it that answer? Uh, no, I think you hit on both parts with your answer. So where can we find you? Where can people find you, man? And first and foremost, let me ask you a question. How does it feel to be named 30 under 30, man? Like that just did that just come out today? Nah, man. I actually I found out right before the the end of uh the end of sorry for that beef in my laundry, man. I'm at the crib. Nah, it's all good. <laughs> Get me. Um uh, so I found out before the end of 2018 because they released a little bit early this year, but I just got a plaque with, with mm. all my stuff on it, um, and the cover and all that. But, um, you know what? I don't know if it's still really set in, but at the same time, it doesn't matter as much as I did. And I, and like, I hope Forbes don't hate me for this, but man, when I really wanted to be Forbes 30 under 30, they won't, they didn't give a damn about me. You know what I mean? Like when it when those things really mattered to me, that's when I used to think, you know, you know, external things could really validate me, man. Like that that doesn't validate, bro. Like other people don't validate you, man. Right, you know, right. I talk about alpha, man. You think you pledge a fraternity, sorority, ah man, it's gonna validate me. It's gonna make me cool. It's gonna make me get the girls, it's gonna do this. Man, external things don't, you know, don't validate you, man. So, you know. You know, there was a time in there was a time in my life where, bro, I would have went crazy, man. I would have turned up, you know, got a bottle or two, and 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 and, and really celebrated. Um, man, when I when Forbes Thirty Under Thirty came out, man, bro, I was working. I was working, man. It was a regular day, man. I one one of the offices I have, I share an office with Spotify, man. They recently just you know went public, man. A bunch of people just became millionaires. Yeah. It was business as usual in there. No cakes, no celebrating. It was just like, yo, all right, we got to work. And I like the mentality. And so, you know, it, you know, I'm, 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 I'm super grateful, man. I'm about to go to Tel Aviv for, I'm in Israel for, you know, the Forbes Global Summit, you know what I mean? And being able to do things like that is, 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 is dope. But man, like, yo, here's the thing. People fall off, bro. Right, right. Off, man. Like, 30 under 30 is just recognizing the people that was able to get somewhere faster than most people, right? right. It doesn't mean that they're going to sustain it. Yeah, so that's the hard part, right? It gets harder now. The real work starting now. Look at some of them lists from like five, six years ago. Yeah. Like, damn, what happened to them? You know what I mean? You was <laughs> on me, what the fuck happened to you? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, right. It was, it, that's what happens, man. What I tell people all the time is greatness is consistency. Right. Uh, greatness is greatness is consistency, man. You know, and that's and that's really where it comes down what it comes down to is is really having consistency, man. And that's what I go for. Like I wanna be able to, you know, be able to have this lifestyle and provide this lifestyle and everything and, and grow in wealth and, and provide wealth for you know, uh uh opportunities for wealth for others as I continue to go on my path. Like, you know. I'm 28 now, man. I don't want to be washed up at 35. You know what I mean? Like I got a long life to live, you know, God willing. So, you know, I'm, I'm really trying to, you know, I'm trying to play that long game and I understand it's, it's cool for 30 under 30 is cool, man. But man, that's bro. That's not even half your life, man. For a lot of us, you know? So. Right. 
my work. All right, okay, so guess we can go ahead and wrap it up. Um, one last thing that, uh, that we always ask any of our panelists, interviewees, uh, anyone we speak with, anyone speaking to our audience. Um, if, if I'm a deer in headlights, I'm a young kid, I walk up to you, you have no idea what my idea, what my ambitions, what my visions are. I will hope that you tell me one thing that's gonna stick with me when I walk away and, and it's gonna, you know, either rev my engine or keep it revving. Like, what would you say to me? What would I say to you, man? It's a lot right. of things I could say, but if I- You got one shot, you got one sentence. One shot, one thing. Um, stay true to who you are. Like, do it all, man. Like, it's not worth it, man. You've seen people sell out and do things that, you know, that wasn't really true to them or, or be something that that's, that's not really them, you know, for money or fame and things like that. But money comes and goes, man. Fame, bro, I tell people all the time, man, be careful what you wish for. You see, yo, they got Tristan under fire right now. He asked for it. He, he wanted to date a Kardashian. He wanted that. And like, <laughs> just be careful, you know, be careful what you wish for in those, in those things and just like stay true to yourself, man. Stay, stay true to who you are. And like at the end of the day, like the money, fame, all that does not matter if you can't look at yourself in the mirror and say, man, like I'm me and right. I'm, I'm authentically me. You know what I mean? When I, when I go out here every day, imagine having to put a mask on every day. Right. That's draining, man. That's, that, that causes mental health problems. That causes so many different things, man. Like, you know, you got to take care of yourself. So, yeah, man, stay true to yourself. That's dope. So where can everyone fo uh, find you? Where can they follow you and find you? Yeah, man. So, uh, they can find me uh, on Instagram and Twitter. It's just my name, at Everett, E-V-E-R-E-T-T-E. Um, on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash Everett Taylor Jr., J-R. Um, and then Snapchat, um, it's Everett Taylor, but it's supposed to, I just talked to them guys, they're supposed to be giving me just Everett. So be, <laughs> we'll, we'll see, we'll see. I want to have that consistent across all platforms. And, you know, my website is everettaylor.com. You can check out all my current projects and companies and things like that there. All right. All right, man. Well, again, man, we truly appreciate you doing this, man. Uh, we've been looking forward to getting this one done for a long time. So I'm glad you were able to do it, man. So um, again, man, thank you so much. Uh, dope interview. Uh, I love how you were just real about everything and just, you know, people get to see who you are. You know what I mean? A lot of times people will say, oh, this person Everett or whoever out and out doing this. Like you said, they're, they're not who or they kind of changed up or they're, they're kind of uppity or whatever, you know, but just kind of sitting here to, to being able to talk to you, say like, you know, it's a real dude, it's a regular dude. We're just having a conversation, man. That's what we love, man. And again, we really appreciate it, man. So. Appreciate it, guy. All right. All right. Yeah, man. All right. All right, everybody. Uh, thanks again for listening in to the HBC Wall Street Podcast show. Uh, we hope you enjoyed tonight's episode with Courtney Richardson, who was able to give you some good information on investing. Uh, and also our, our special guest of the night, Everett Taylor, who, uh, again, who, who just pretty much brought it tonight and just talked about the real, talked about his journey, talked about what it takes to be 
uh, a successful techie and just navigate through Silicon Valley, especially as a, a black person. So again, uh, HBCU Wall Street, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter at HBCU Wall Street. Uh, make sure you do follow us uh, on SoundCloud, share this episode. This is a very dope episode, probably going to be one of uh, the better interviews that we've had in a while. So truly appreciate uh, being able to have this done tonight. And just make sure you go to our website, www.hbcuwallstreet, download our app, um, and also just continue to spread the word. You guys are our marketing team. So without further ado, thank you, and stay tuned for the next HBCU Wall Street Podcast show. Thank you. This episode of the HBCU Wall Street Podcast show is sponsored by North Carolina Mutual. North Carolina Mutual has a full range of insurance and financial services to help protect the important people and things in your life.